Storms are an inevitable part of life, and most of the times they're unexpected. What are we supposed to do when we face the storms of life? Well, I want to welcome you to the City Hills Church podcast today. We exist so that people far from God will find hope and life in Christ. My name is Brandon, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at City Hills in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today's message is all about storms. We're in a series right now, part three of a series called Jesus Is. In this series, we're unpacking who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus will be. And today, we're looking at the reality that Jesus is always in control. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, it says, As evening came, why don't you say that word evening, evening, so it was dark. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Pretty bad day. They're in the boat. Fierce storm arises and has these professional fishermen terrified because their boat's filling with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, or the King James says, on a pillow, (laughs) The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Then Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Verse 40 says, And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why don't you say that word, still? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're in a series right now simply called Jesus Is. And what we're doing, we're looking at characteristics of who he is. And this is kind of a futile series because the Bible says if you took all the things that Jesus did and put them in, a book, in books, the whole world wouldn't contain the volumes of the greatness of who Jesus is. So what we're doing, we're just picking out some, and I hope this is a series we continue to do as the years go on, because there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. And there's no greater picture we can give. There's nothing better we can talk about every week than to talk about and lift up the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Because one day every knee's gonna bow, and one day every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I don't know about you, but I wanna start confessing him now. Like, I want, I want it to be now that I recognize who he is. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us see who Jesus really is. Today, I'm going to talk about this. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us and give us strength in the middle of the issues of life. God, I pray today would be a special day, the best Sunday ever in someone's life. Let this be a day where someone sees not a 
a preacher, not a song, not a church, but they see you so clear and are changed by your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated, you can be seated. I don't know about you and what you enjoy or what you have enjoyed, but, but I, I've always enjoyed storms. I've always enjoyed whenever um, it's a nice kind of uh, rainy uh, day and it's, um, I guess I'm kind of weird like that. Is anybody else like you kind of enjoy the storm a little bit? Got a little storm chaser in you, you know, you kind of want to know what's going on with the storm. As, as I was preparing this message, I got thinking about storms that I've encountered and storms that I've seen in life. I'm kind of the weird person, usually in the middle of like all the trees falling around. I'm kind of like up in the, in the middle of the, of the front yard, like looking, you know, for the, for the storm. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I kind of enjoy that and, and looking and see how the weather works and all that stuff. I guess until I get in a place where it would hurt me, right? I got thinking this past summer, we were on Teleco Lake. It was a group of guys, some guys here from the church and we were, we were out just enjoying the day. We were, we were jumping from some cliffs, which that's a story for another day. But uh, we were having a good time. And right in the middle of our fun, right in the middle of the day, we just rented a boat and we were taking it out and having a good time. This storm just comes up on the water. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before. It, it seems like when you're on a boat, it just storms just happen out of nowhere. And it's, it's so difficult to get back to where you came from. You know, you're, you're like rushing, you know, you're getting everything together. And man, maybe you have an hour of, you know, of, of travel back to the dock. And, and you're, you know, the waves are getting crazy and everything's happening all around you. Well, this is kind of what happened that day. We were all out there and having a good time. And this storm just seemed like in about a matter of about 10 to 15 minutes, we went from being just a beautiful day to just a storm. And, and, and the waves started going, the waves started uh, pushing us and we couldn't stay anchored and we were getting pushed into the land and, and uh, we were fine. We had a nice big boat, but there was this guy that we saw in the distance on a paddleboard on the middle of Teleco Lake. And, uh, you know, just so imagine us, we, you know, we're in this big pontoon boat, I don't know, about six or seven guys, and, you know, we're, we're, we, we're putting the cover up, you know, over top of our heads so we're not getting rained on, and this guy is in the middle of Teleco Lake, and he's just everything he could do to the point where at one point he's just kind of like hugging his, hugging his little board there, you know? So, uh, so it was a bad day for him. So we went up, and, and, there, and he's not anywhere near where, he, like, there's no dock anywhere around. I'm like, where did this guy come from? So we pull up our boat next to him, and hey, man, you want to get on? So he's like, yes, thank you so much, you know? And, uh, you know, he's, he's, we, we take him back to where he was and where he lived. He lived on a houseboat there, and we, we, we met this guy. He's a super nice guy, but as I was thinking about this story in the scripture, I couldn't help but think about that guy hugging on to his paddleboard for dear life. Because he did not, there's no way in the world he expected the storm to happen. Because if he expected that there would be a storm on the lake that day, I promise he would either have taken a different boat, he would have done something very different, he would have left earlier, he would have made sure that he was back where he needed to be. But he had gotten himself to a place where he really needed help. His only hope would have been to just bail and just swim for his life to the shore until the storm passed. And I got thinking about how in life, many times we can be like that guy. We're just going through, the, we're going through life, we're, we're, we're working our jobs, we're raising our kids, we're going to school, we're, we're going through all of the trappings of life and it just seems out of the blue, boom, I didn't see that storm coming. Out of the blue, I didn't see that, that storm happening in my life. Isn't it amazing how a simple phone call can change everything about 
our, our day and, and really change everything about our life. I don't know if you can think back to phone calls that have changed your life. I think about phone calls, about loved ones that, that are been, have been in car wrecks. I think about good phone calls. I think about phone calls whenever mortgages that we found out were or offers on houses that we were trying to buy. Hey, you're, 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 it's accepted. Or I remember, you know, friends of ours, we had some friends that told us not too long ago, hey, we're having a baby. And that phone call, we got so excited about our friends. And just like we can get excited, it seems like there's a storm that can arise whenever one phone call says that, you know, it's, it's, they're not gonna survive or, or, or you're laid off or the company's going through changes or, 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 or it's the police calling about our kids or it's something that we did not see coming up in our world. You see, we have a tendency as people, and I, I say this because my, my, my thumbs are pointing back at me, I have the tendency to try to live my life with the world in my hands. I try to live my life many times trying to be in control of it, trying to be in control of what happens with my days. But storms remind me, storms remind me that I am not in control. Storms remind us that we are not in control of our own lives. Many times we are just going through our life and before you know it, we're holding on for dear life because of a storm that comes up. And I'll dare say that those things are reminders to us that we are not in control. It's not in your notes, but Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 asks a question. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Ask a question, who's done this? Who measured out the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand? Think about how big a hand would be to put all of the water in all of the earth and measure it in the hollow of a hand. It says, who has meted out the heaven with a span? In other words, who's taken a tape measure and said, this is how big the universe is going to be? Who's done that? Who's comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure? All of the dust of the earth, all the dust of the desert around the world. The God asked the question, who has taken the dust, the thing that's impossible to measure, who has taken that and measured it out? And I love this one. Who has weighed the mountains in scales? And who has, who has put the hills in a balance? God is describing, he's asking us a question He's trying to show us that there is a vast difference between who we are and who he is. And we do ourselves a grave disservice when we try to go about our life as if we are in control of our life instead of realizing that our lives could be in the hands of the one who can measure the oceans inside of it. Think about how big those hands are. That, that our lives are in control, are, 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 that, that there's one greater than us that's in control. That we are not God. One of the greatest statements you could ever learn to say is simply this, I am not God. Can you say that with me? I am not God. It's a good thing to remember, that I'm not in control. I am not God, but I am in the hands of God who's so much greater and so much bigger. 
Whenever I think about the hands of God, I'm reminded of a story that an old preacher told me years ago when I first started preaching. I was just a teenager, and this older man, for some reason, he saw potential in me, and he had a church that he had pastored for years and years, and he would invite me from time to time to come preach to his church, and I don't know why he did. I wasn't very good, but he let me come anyway. He was such a nice older man, but he would tell a story about a time whenever he was in church as in, in his early 20s. And he said one time he was in church and they had had a, a line for people that were getting prayed for, to, for, for for healing. So people had different impossibilities and they came forward and they were, they were praying. They're, they're, the pastor of the church was kind of laying hands, like the Bible says, on people that needed healing. And he said, as I had a vision, he said, I haven't had very many visions in my life. He said, but as I watched that preacher put his hand on the forehead or or of this person who needed a healing or an impossibility, he said, I had a vision of another hand that came down through the ceiling of the church. And as that hand would touch that impossibility, there would be this greater hand that would come down. And that would touch that person with the impossibility. And then he'd go to the next person. And when he'd lay his hand, there'd be a hand come out from heaven. And it would put his hand on that. And something about that picture I've never been able to forget. Because when we face, there there are so many impossibilities in life. And I look at these hands. Maybe people that are in the church that have problems and situations. I look at these hands and I realize these hands cannot fix their problem. These hands do not have the ability to make the provision that these people need, to do, to cure the cancer that's in their body, to heal the marriage that's in disarray in their life. These hands don't have the ability to take those wayward children and bring them back to Jesus. But I'm reminded that whenever we lay our hands, whenever we reach out to people, that there's another hand that's greater, there's another hand that's bigger, the hand of God that comes down. Know this, we're not just in a room singing songs, but the Bible says where two or three are gathered that Jesus is in the midst of us. And I want you to know whatever your impossibility today, that he can do it. Because he has a hand that measures the world, that puts the mountains on a scale. See, the world, we are not meant to carry the things that we often carry. We're not meant to carry the weight of the world's world on our shoulders. See, God's presence is promised to us. Remind myself of this so often. Acts chapter 17, verse 27, it's not in your notes, but Paul is speaking at Mars Hill to a group of people that that were not Christians, and he's describing God to them, and he simply says this. He says, God makes it so that people will seek him And if happily they may feel after him and find him, and then he gives a truth that I love to think about. He says, though God, though he is not very far from any one of us. I love the fact that Jesus said he's gonna be with us always. I love the fact that he says, I'm not very far from where you are right now. I'm not very far from your situation. I'm not very far from your circumstance. I'm not very far from your impossibility that you're facing. But here's the problem. The problem is that many times he feels far away. So that's good preaching, but you don't know how I feel right now. You don't know where I am emotionally. You don't know where I am physically. You don't know because I really feel like God is far away. Here's the first truth I wanna tell you today. The issue is this. 
that too many times we put our faith in the wrong place. We put our faith only in God's activity and we fail to put it in God's identity. We say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, so therefore, I don't trust you. No, I wanna challenge you today and the story we're about to look at from the scripture is the reality that we can trust God even though we don't always understand God because Jesus is in control. Let's look at it. We just looked at it uh, together from Mark chapter four. The account of our, in our text, the account of Jesus in uh, making the waters be still and bringing peace to the storm is found in three of the four gospels. Uh, it's found in Matthew eight. It's found in Luke chapter, Luke chapter eight, Mark chapter four. And each one give an account of the event. However, this account in Mark chapter four is just a special account because it gives some unique details of the story. See, the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. And that's a, that's a fancy way of saying the sameness, that, that, that they kind of each give a unique perspective of many of the same events. And the book of John has a lot of unique things and has, focuses a lot on the deity of Jesus Christ and some other things. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke... Many, they contain many of the same stories, and we just kind of see it from different perspectives. So we're going to look at it from Mark's perspective today and see some of the unique things about this situation that Jesus faced. Here's the first reality. This is in your notes, that the storm was part of the process. The storm was part of the process. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, we got a purpose, we got a reason, we have a destination that we're going to. We're going to go to the other side and in the middle of their process, in the middle of their progress, following Jesus, they're in the middle of a storm. I wanna tell you this morning, just because you're following Jesus does not mean you won't be in a storm in your life. See, some people want to act like if you're in a storm, that means you don't really love Jesus. If you're in a storm, then you got some sin in your life. If you're in a storm today, if you're having some questions about your faith, if you're at a hard situation in your life, then you don't really love Jesus and you need to repent and all these things. You know what? What the reality is, is that along the journey of life, we face storms. As a matter of fact, Jesus, this was part of the plan. Jesus was God. Think about this. This, is, this has been something I've thought about all week long. Why didn't Jesus tell him to go another way? Like he was God. He knew exactly the fact that they were going to go in through a storm. Why didn't he just say, hey, guys, the weather radar says about 2.30, um, it's going uh, to be a pretty bad wind from the northeast coming through, and uh, guys, we need, to, we need to hold off a little bit, or we need to go down to the south a little bit more so that me make sure you don't get wet. He didn't do that. Did he know about the storm? Absolutely. But he, did he cause the storm? I don't believe so. But did he allow the storm to happen? Yes. Just because you're going through a storm does not mean Jesus is not in your boat. There is a distinct difference between being soaked and being sunk. <laughs> you may get soaked along the way in your walk with God. You may, be so, you may have walked in here soaked in a circumstance that you don't know what to do with. You may have walked in here soaked in your mind, soaked in your mentality, soaked with a situation in your family or your finances. But I want you to know as long as Jesus is in your boat, you're not going to be sunk as long as he's with you. So you may be soaked, but you're not going to get sunk. Sunk. Sunketed. Sunken. Sunketh. 
I invented like five words right there. John chapter 16 said, Jesus promised, this is probably not a verse you have on your refrigerator, but nonetheless, it's there. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me because here on the earth, you're gonna have many trials and sorrows. Well, thanks a lot, Jesus. I really appreciate that one. Not going on the fridge for that. God, I just thank you that on this earth, I'm gonna have many trials and sorrows today. I just hope I can have another trial and sorrow today. No, none of us want that. But it's along the way. It's part of the purpose. I find it interesting. The water's coming in the boat. And the disciples, they take so long to, come to, to, to bring the situation to Jesus. How many times do we wait so long to bring things to Jesus? This, this reminded me this week of, a, of an issue we're having in our, in our home. We, we, uh, we've, we're having plumbing issues in our house. Somebody pray for us. But we've had, a, we've had an issue with, with plumbing and, and uh, we, our, our basement bathroom, this is like TMI right here on Sunday morning. Our basement bathroom is, is, is messed up right now. We've had, we've had some plumbers come out and look at it and they're trying to figure out what the issue is and what the problem is. But, we, but upstairs, everything works. So we're like, oh, this is great. And honestly, I've just kind of been logically going through and calling the plumbers and calling the insurance, you know, just doing all the things that I do. And then, and, then in the mor- and then the other night, about two o'clock in the morning, we've had a lot of family in because of a Hudson and his birthday. And uh, about, about two o'clock in the morning, one of our family members knocks on, the, knocks on the door and says, your toilet is clogged upstairs. And I'm like, oh God, what are we gonna do? We have like 12 people in our house and we're not gonna have, we're gonna have to like take showers outside in the yard. I don't know, they're they're gonna call the cops on us. I don't know what's gonna happen, you know? It's like it was okay as long as I had another option. It's working upstairs, but hey, if it messes up upstairs and we were able to unclog it and all that, and it was okay. But I I, I, I laid down and and I I remember, I, I laid down and I was like, Thank you, thank you, Jesus, you know, that, 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 that we were able to get that working. And what I realized is this, is I laid down on my pillow and I thought, Jesus, I've been having this thing that's been frustrating me for about, for about a week now. And I haven't even mentioned it to you one time. You say, well, that's dumb. It's talking about your plumbing in your house. No, 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 no. I think that's what the point is. That, that issues come and it's not Jesus caused the plumbing issues in my house. No, it's just a house and it's plumbing and it's, it's gonna mess up and it's just life, Right? But, but the, what's the purpose? Not to wait until everything goes wrong, but, but, but to live with this reality that Jesus, yeah, this kind of thing is frustrating me in my house right now, but you know what? Thank you. You, you gave us this house and you've blessed us with this and, and I'm gonna keep my joy and I'm not gonna let it bother me and I'm gonna make sure that, 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 every, that I know everything is in control. You say, well, that's something so small and so dumb. And yeah, but it's a, it, it illustrates the reality that every issue of life, whether it's big or small, we can take it to him. Because here's the second reality that, yes, the storm was part of the, part of the process. And secondly, the storm did not worry Jesus. <laughs> they go to wake Jesus up. They, they felt that Jesus didn't care about them. They were going through situations in their life. They said, they said Jesus, we're perishing. And I, I love the fact that, I love the fact that there's a detail in Mark's story. It's probably why I chose it. And it said that Jesus was laying on a pillow. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if the pillow was in the boat whenever he, whenever he was there, or I don't know. I like to see the story like this. I like to see the story like they're getting into the boat, and then Jesus kind of has a pillow under his arm. You ever... <laughs> 
I like to see it kind of like that. I got thinking about that. I wish I had a pillow with me, but I, I just, I just kind of imagine. I don't know if you've ever been on a trip before, you know, like on a bus or a, you know, or a plane. You got your pillow with you, you know. You're like, you know what? It's, you know, I, that's kind of how I see Jesus kind of rolling up onto the boat, and everybody else is like, what's, go, what's with the, what's the pillow? Like, what's, what's going on? You know. And it's, it's like he knew there was going to be a storm, but he wasn't worried about the storm. As a matter of fact, he realized he's going to get some of the best sleep that he's gotten in a long time because he realized that he was still in control in the middle of the storm. So I came to tell somebody today, and I dedicate this message to somebody that's in a storm right now, and you feel like Jesus is so far away, and I want you to know, it could be that he's just right there on your boat, and he's resting. Why? Because he knows that this storm's not going to defeat you. He knows this storm's not going to stop you. As a matter of fact, this storm is going to end up for your good and for his glory, because you're going to see Jesus like you've never seen him before when this storm is over. Here's the third aspect of the storm. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> the third aspect of the storm is this, that the storm was used for good. <laughs> the storm was not good, but the storm was used for good. It goes on to say, it says, they were in absolute awe and staggered and said, who is this anyway? Oh, God. They said, Oh, after Jesus stepped on the bow of the boat, he's like wiping the sleep out of his eyes. Guy's pillow, you know, he's got some drool on the pillow. I don't know if he drool. He got some drool on the pillow. He's like, what storm? What? Like, if you not for if, if you don't realize who's in your boat, like, do you not realize? Remember, like the five thousand that were fed. Remember the remember the guy who was lame. Remember the you know rise up and do you remember who's with you? And he wipes the sleep out of his eyes and just kind of, oh, it's peace be still. And then. Whew, and they're like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, God. And they're terrified because they're saying, I, and I bet every storm that they, these guys were fishermen. I bet every storm from then on in their whole life, they said, hey, guys, hey, Pete, remember that one time? <laughs> remember that one time Jesus was with us and he said, peace be still? Jesus gave them an illustration that they would never forget that he's in control. And I'll dare say this. If they wouldn't have went through the storm, they would not have a perspective that he's the one that's in control. See, many times we want him to do the, GP, the radar, you know, the, and take us around the storm, but he knows this, that if he can take you right through the middle of the eye of that storm, you're gonna walk out on the other side saying, if there's not a storm in this world that I can face that he's not gonna bring me through because I've been through it. It's like David said, yea, though I walk, we want to say, God, though you take a helicopter and pick me up out of the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> no, though you lie flat in me out of the shadow of No, he said, though I walk through the valley. And he said, there in the valley, I got a revelation, you're with me. There in the valley, I get a revelation that your rod, that, that corrective rod that once I thought you were mad at me. No, no, no. In the valley, I started understanding that that rod of correction, that rod of your word was actually leading and guiding me. It is in the valley that I understand that you prepare a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. Right there in the valley that I come away saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If he wouldn't have went through the valley, he wouldn't have understand that God was in control. So thank God for the valleys. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear. 
when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble and the waters surge. Be still and know that I am God. Thank you, Dina, for reminding us of that. Be still and know that I am God. So here's some truths I want to give you in the storm. We'll be done today. First of all, trust God's identity even when you don't understand his activity. I want to challenge you. Trust God's identity. Trust who he is. Trust that he's going to do exactly what he says he was going to do. Trust that he is sovereign. Trust that he is a provider even whenever you don't see how he's going to be a provider. Trust his identity even when you don't understand his activity. Here's the second truth I want to give you today is in the storm, ask what instead of why. Ask what instead of why. I'll explain what this means. Many times in the storm of life, we ask why. God, why? Why am I in the storm? Why, have your, why are you picking on me? Why, 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 God, why is, this, why is this not working in my life? Why? can destroy you. There's, but, but when you change it a little bit, you say, God, what? Here's the question. God, what do you want to do in my life through this storm? Not God, why will it happen? I'll say this. I think if God told you why everything, your brain would explode like, <laughs> I tell people this all the time. I think the first sound when we get to heaven is going to be this. Oh, Oh, that's what that was. Oh, I get it now. Because we're going to be able to understand. But I dare say if God showed us all of his plan and purpose, we, we could not contain it. So why is not always the best question, but God, what are you doing in my life right now? Like in this storm right now, what are you doing in me? Are you trying to teach me something or do you want to use me to bless someone else? I, I got thinking that if it wasn't for storms, all the, many of the good things in our society wouldn't be here today. Cancer foundations are, are formed by who? People that had cancer or had loved ones that had cancer and, 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 and nonprofits that bless teenagers that are in problem, troubled situations are usually started by teenagers that grew up that were from troubled situations. And thank God for the storms. God, what are you doing in my life in the storm? Do you want to use it to bless somebody else? Here's the third truth in the storm. Keep rowing in the right direction. That's my favorite. <laughs> Many times in the storm, we want to say, oh, let's go back to the other shore. Let's go back to where it was safe. No, Jesus said we're going to the other side. And God, I'm, I'm getting soaked right now. But you said we're going to the other side. You said, I'm going to the other side. I don't understand, but I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to do whatever I can do to keep fulfilling my purpose. I'm going to bless. I'm going to invite people to church. I'm going to keep doing things in the right direction. I'm going to keep rowing in the right direction, even though all the water's coming over and all the wind's coming over because God's word is true. If he said, you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. Just keep trusting him. Don't live by pressure. Live by principles. And here's the fourth and final truth in the storm, I want you to challenge you to put your life in his hands. We would be amiss if I didn't tell you to put your life in the hands of Almighty God today. Matthew 11 says, are you tired? 
worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Church, that's what happens when we put our life in the hands of Jesus. Yes, there's storms, but we can have a confidence that he's in control even in the middle of our storms. You see, everything depends on whose hands it's in. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19 from Walmart. But a basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. Depends whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth about six bucks. But a baseball in Mark McGuire's hands is worth about $19 million. Depends whose hands it's in. Tennis racket is absolutely useless in my hands. <laughs> Put it in Venus or Serena's hands. It's a Wimbledon championship. Depends whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands. Keep away a wild animal. A rod in Moses' hands. Will part the mighty Red Sea. Depends whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hand is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hand is a mighty weapon that slays a giant. Depends whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is just a couple of fish sandwiches. But two fish and five loaves in the hand of Jesus will feed thousands of people. Depends whose hands it's in. As you can now see, it depends all whose hands it's in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your family, your relationship, your career, your future in his hands. And he'll take what's common. He'll make it extraordinary. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for you today. Jesus, we come before you. We thank you. Lord, that your grace is sufficient in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that we ever face that's too impossible for you, God. Lord, thank you that you are in control even whenever our lives are out of control. Lord, I pray that you would help us together to realize and trust that our lives are in the hands of a God who cares for us and loves us. All this Thanks again for taking time to listen to this message today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life, how we can help serve you better, and give you some next steps on your walk with God. Take a moment and email us at info at cityhills.com. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting cityhills.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope to see you soon here at City Hills Church. Yeah.